0: listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. That's right. Come get triggered on the Taming Hindrances podcast. Hi, my name is Phil and I am the host and creator of the podcast. And today's topic of discussion is belief. Uh belief is it's kind of a weighted term, I think. Uh there's a lot of things that go along with belief as a as a word. And I'm particular about words and vocabulary and languages and all these different things and the connotation that belief carries in today's society is quite vast. Um, everyone has beliefs. Everyone has belief structures. There's cultural beliefs. There's individual beliefs. There's family beliefs. There's you know heritage and all these different things. And I find the more I discuss self-awareness or mental health with individuals, belief is one of those topics that is just kind of interwoven into all of it. And so I thought it would be a good topic to discuss as far as what does the situation call for in self-awareness and mental health when beliefs are involved? Do we stay hands off? Do we, you know, is it a, is it a taboo term now to talk about beliefs? Is is belief structures or individual beliefs taboo? Is it something, you know, the, the media, the, you know, even your friends, anyone is really always trying to pander towards, uh, your beliefs in, in all honesty, almost every narrative ever written is in some way either affecting or looking at a way to affect your beliefs. You know, if it's, if it's kind of, um, if it's sci-fi and fantasy, one of my, you know, some of my favorites, With the suspension of belief, you know, do you, you know, that whole idea of the suspension of belief in a narrative where, you know, something might occur that may not be true to what we consider our reality and we have to suspend our belief in order to allow that story or plot line to continue. Or if it's, you know, nonfiction and it's a uh, historical record of any battle ever or, you know, major conflict in his human history, there's belief there too. There's even belief inside of our daily lives when it comes to the news articles we read and the things we look at on a daily basis. You know, when you pick up your phone and you scroll through the topics of discussion for today that the media or your you know, chosen platform has deemed correct for you to look through, there's belief there. There's belief on their side, which gets into one topic, and there's belief on your side. So I think along with belief, we have to look at connotation. And with connotation, we have to look at perception because those are the two sides of that coin. And as I've said before, everything in the universe is seeking balance. It's one of the great mysteries of this world and possibly other worlds or realities that. Everything must have balance. It's the idea of yin and yang. Uh, you cannot separate yin and yang. It's not possible. Yin yang is a combined term. It's a combined idea. Without yin, there is no yang. There is no yang without yin. So it's yin yang. Uh, you may hear people say yin and yang. Uh, I used to take you know some sort of step back and saying, well, that's not really right. But I get it. You know, everyone learns it a little bit differently. But just so everyone knows. Yin-Yang is inseparable. You cannot separate them. When you discuss one, you're discussing the other. It's two sides of the coin that make up the coin itself. We've, we've heard this term before, two sides to a coin, or two sides to every coin, but the idea is that there is a coin, and that's the idea of duality. A lot of times, some of the mysteries will get into the subject of duality and really push hard on making the, the looker or the seeker look really, you know, difficultly at what is duality, you know, this idea of duality and that somehow degrades itself into just this, I don't know, depth of existentialism essentially. But the reality in my eyes and in my opinion, which we all know is probably completely incorrect. And as always, do your own research, take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm just an idiot on the internet. I think I've said that, I don't know, once a day for my entire life at this point but that is kind of what the mysteries are pushing towards is to make the idea of duality into this kind of existential crisis in and of itself whereas in my eyes duality is simply explained by looking at the two sides of a coin yin yang yin without yang is not yin yang without yin is not yang you cannot have one without the other and thus they make up the coin itself. Duality is the idea that everything must be seeking balance or in everything is seeking balance. That is the balance to the structure. There is no singularity without dual That's a terrible statement, but you get what I'm talking about. You cannot have something be single without another measurement of their not being single. So really it's not, Single and dual, it's single and everything else. Everything else makes up singularity. So you get plural, plural, plurality, the, the plural of something. So you have, if so, if you are singly yourself, in order for you to be a singularity, you have to have a plurality. You have to have something plural. We have humanity. So I have I myself and we have Humanity. Well, where are you going with this film? Well, here's the idea of beliefs. We have singular beliefs and we have cultural or humanity beliefs, uh, agreed upon nuances, um, agreed upon history, agreed upon reality, agreed upon sciences and culture and structures. And there's, it's so vast. Well, one of the other things in the mysteries, due to the idea of balance, is this. Common phrase you might hear from Hermes Trismegustus, uh, the thrice great Hermes, and the book of Thoth, which is as above, so below. It's written in the great Pyramander. So as above, so below. What what does that break down into? Well, that breaks down into microcosm, macrocosm. They are a yin-yang situation. We have the micro, very, very, very tiny, and the macro, very, 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 very big. Infinitely small and infinitely big, to be honest, is the idea of micro and macro. They are two sides to a coin. They are measurements of themselves. An ant may be micro to me, and I may be macro to an ant, but to the earth, I am micro, and to the me, the earth is macro. It's It's a measurement system. That's the true nature of duality, and it's the true nature of belief in my eyes. I believe belief is a duality. There are beliefs. There are non-beliefs. The idea of beliefs are a measurement. I don't believe that they are incorporal in the sense that they do not, necessarily bring things into existence, but they themselves have an existence. They, they, they create things and they make us look at things differently. And when it comes to self-awareness and mental health, beliefs can be the, well, it can be the driving force to all of it. I have my own beliefs and a lot of people don't agree with them. And there's other people out there that have their own beliefs and people don't agree with those. And then there are common beliefs that we all kind of agree to. We just don't think about all that much. So because beliefs are a measurement because they are this, this combination of micro and macro, they are in and of themselves maybe a little bit more than conceptual and I haven't talked at length uh, to this topic, but I will at this point as a sidebar. I look at things from a perspective of techniques, concepts, and principles. When I'm really trying to break down an idea, or when I'm trying to work through complex situations, or even just trying to master something, and mastery in and of itself is a great topic of discussion, but I'll digress for now techniques and concepts and principles all have to work together. So when you're trying to decipher something as to how maybe important it is or what it's providing us, you can look at the techniques and concepts and principles of something. And I think it's a really good way to go about beliefs. And I got this from my studies in martial arts. There was a particular time when I was studying Filipino martial arts, uh, particularly Callius Crema which is uh, Filipino stick fighting. And it actually goes beyond that. Cali has a lot of extra different pieces in it. But essentially, when people think Filipino martial arts, they typically think of the rattan stick and the rattan shield or two rattan sticks. And particularly, there was a point in time where uh, Japan had attacked the Philippines and there was an occupation. And the occupational force had captured quite a few Filipino fighters. One of those was a Callius Crema master. And I may have this story completely wrong. So as always do your own research and um, it could be bogus. I believe the story, what I heard it from the teacher I heard it from, and it, you know, maybe it was anecdotal and I don't care at this point because it gave me this idea of techniques, concepts and principles, which actually came from the instructor that I was speaking to. But anyway, there is this, master filipino stick fighter and there are the japanese um katana wielding individuals who are so they have sword fighters and stick fighters well you know if you look at that most people will be like the sword fighter is going to win well they had this individual and he was a master of the stick fighting he was a master of his own body and there was a, a footwork that went with it and it's a long story but what we have in this situation is this master fighter who's going up against these um, their his captors essentially, and long story short, they they end up pinning one of his feet, one of his yeah, they pin one of his feet to the ground, so he's he's got a essentially he's one foot stuck, a stick in one hand, and he has to defend himself. And are they trying to kill him? No. Are they trying to wound him? Absolutely. Is how it was explained to me. Um, and he continues to defend himself. Well, that's amazing to be honest. And why does this matter? Well, we get that story. Okay. And it could just be a story. We don't know. We have to suspend belief right now and just be like, okay, well, maybe it was real. Maybe it wasn't, who knows. But then we have other stories of other Escrima fighters and different masters and the different methodologies. And that's really where this is going is in martial arts, we have a plethora of methods systems, well, we have that in normal life too. Like you know, the martial arts world might be a macro to some. It's a you know, it's that's a lots a big world now. But it's not that many people. You know, it used to be much smaller than it is now. Specifically in the West, it's gaining popularity over and over you know, over time. But it's still kind of a macro idea. But it's given us some. I'm sorry, it's it's still kind of a micro idea, but it's given us some macro um ideas. And this is where, you know, self-awareness in this sense is kind of something martial arts can help with. So like it, it definitely is one of those things. If you're if you're looking for a great practice of self-awareness, most martial arts systems are. I don't want to say designed to be, but They do have some sort of self-awareness piece, but we can get into that at another time because it's another macro topic that needs its own discussion. For this discussion, we have this master Filipino Escrima fighter and we have a, a system of movements in which that person develops that work against the Japanese sword. Well, they take that and they hone that and that gets passed on to a lineage. But well, like I said, there's plenty of other systems and lineages that get passed on as well. Well, the individual I was trained by was trained by another individual who I actually did manage to match hands with at one point. Um, and that individual gave me specifically, I'm not going to name anyone because I just don't name anyone from the martial arts community anymore. It's not something I do if they want to take credit. What I can tell you is I'm not taking credit for this in any way. They taught me this. I learned it from them. If they really want to come out and say like, Hey, it was me more power to them. I I just don't care at this point. Um, the martial arts world is so political that I dare not step my toe back into it. Cause as soon as you do that, you're stepping on someone else's toes and it's just bullshit. It's just a bunch of bullshit. To be honest, it's a bunch of ego and (laughs) it's annoying and I'm done with it. So anyway, There are great things to be gleaned from it, and my personal experience is going to be different than others. Anyway, that instructor took that lineage of movements and matched it up against other lineages lineages of movement. And what they found was there's commonalities. And most systems have this. I've looked into it with uh, my own Shaolin martial arts training that I've had and other, uh, particularly there's some in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu I've seen, almost any system can have this applied to it and it works really well. And that's why I bring it up is this individual took these lineages and these different moves and everything and said, okay, this master does this, 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 and this, the same as this master does this, this, and this. So, okay. They all agree on this one. They don't agree on this one, or, or these three agree, but this one doesn't. And what it breaks down to is every person in the martial arts world has techniques. Every person in an office has a technique. Every doctor has a technique for diagnosing. Everyone has all these techniques. You have a technique for brushing your teeth. You have a technique for how you wash your hair. You have a technique for how you like your cereal. Like there's techniques for everything. Well, that doesn't really help me. Techniques to be honest, aren't helpful. Everyone has a technique and everyone develops their own techniques. And that's a very personal thing. There is, however. Concepts. Concepts are one step above techniques. Concepts are way of making a technique slightly more effective. Maybe makes it work better for everyone or just makes it more efficient, just makes it better and makes almost all techniques underneath of it better. So what this individual will do is he would go and he would look at, okay, this master agrees, this master agrees, this master agrees on this technique. Okay. So how they do that is a concept that technique has now raised into a conceptual has been risen to a conceptual level and it might not just be one form of a technique but it's like maybe an idea they all have like oh okay um one of those might be i won't use the filipino martial arts as as a i won't even use martial arts as a way of explaining techniques, concepts, and principles. We'll we'll look at something else, something that I'm pretty darn good at, I think, which is massage. I've been doing it long enough that I can say I'm adequate at massage. I do well at massage. And I've looked at massage for techniques, concepts, and principles. So let's use that as an example. A technique of massage is something like effleurage. Efflarage is a motion of massage. Most anyone who's ever gotten a massage has experienced some sort of technique as far as how the person applies their hands to that individual's body. That's a technique. That's simple as that. Another technique could be handwriting. Great. You could have techniques on how to write. Okay, you know, like pinch your, you know, like have in school where they were like, all right, rest the you know, this here and you rest the pen here on this finger on your middle finger and pinch with, uh, or do it this way. And everyone develops their own techniques. Well, that's essentially a That's just this very sweepy flowy motion. It's just a technique. Well, if that's a technique, what would a concept of massage be? A concept of massage would be something you can apply to all techniques that make them more effective or, uh, uh, better in some way, or, or can change all of them. You know, you, there's some nuances onto how it can affect, but it has to be able to affect all techniques. It can't just affect, just can't just work on one. It has to be all of them. Well, tempo, uh, or pace or how quickly you massage does that. That's a conceptual idea. It changes all other concepts and it can be applied to all, other, I'm sorry. It changes all their techniques and can be applied to all their techniques in massage tempo and the pace at which someone massages is just that. It's, it's that it's a concept. It's a concept of massage. Well, what's a principle then? This is where things get a little tough and it's really hard to find principles of something. And that's the whole point here is when we're looking at beliefs, I'm presenting this as a way we can kind of look at ways to work with beliefs because they are so vast. So this is how we can break them down slightly. So if we have technique is effleurage of sweepy flow emotion, and we have the concept of tempo or pace, what's something we could apply to the conceptual ideas that would also make them better, but then also could be applied to a technique to make it better. So it's this, this higher level of thinking in some schools of thought. This is what first principle thinking is. And to, be honest, if we're thinking back a little bit, that idea of so above, as above, so below is technically a f- first principle thought method. So in massage, I'll just give it to you for any massage therapist out there or someone who's interested in massage. One of the principles I found in massage is known as palpation. Palpation is the art of, I call it the art of, uh, palpating or, or touching or but it's sensed through touch. When you palpate something, you're finding its qualities. And, you know, what is it? Someone who's palpating blindly, someone who can't, you know, can't see what they're palpating is using that sense of touch to figure out what they're touching. That's palpation. And in massage, it's very important to be able to palpate bone, muscle, ligament, tendon, palpate. If you're on an artery or a a set of um, nerve structures, This idea of palpation is super it's one of it's I call it the first principle of massage because anyone who learns proper palpation makes their massage better. They just become a better massage therapist and a normal person, what we call a lay person who isn't a licensed massage therapist or doesn't practice massage as a a hobby or, or, um, a profession, which is the true definition of a lay person. Um, if you practice as a hobby, you're technically an intermediate, you're not a lay person. There's some conversation to be had about that. But anyway, if you were to learn palpation, you would be much better at learning massage just by having the skill of palpation. That's what it's a principle level idea of massage. So now that we've broken down what techniques, concepts and principles are, let's step back from my little rant to beliefs again and apply techniques, concepts, and principles to them. There are umpteen beliefs in the world when it comes to spirituality, ethics, morals, anything. Beliefs are almost in my eyes, a principal idea of an individual and a principal idea of a group not humanity as a whole because we do not agree on beliefs it's uh, that's a defining nature of humanity is we're not very good at agreeing about things in fact we've uh, we've spent a lot of time practicing not agreeing on things we're we're really good at that we're really really good at disagreeing um every war in the history of humanity is disagreement that's that's it and war is almost a principle of humanity. It's probably the one thing we're almost the best at. We've been we've been warring for a very long time. One of my personal beliefs is that humanity is tribal. We like making things micro, as above, so below. We like taking the big and making it smaller because we know. There's similarity there, as above, so below. There is some sort of practice inside my small community that is going to be true in the larger whole. Well, these are techniques, concepts, and principles. The principal idea of belief is belief. It in in of itself is a it's a principality of itself, and that's true to all definition. If you look at definitions, specifically if we're looking at language and words the principality of the idea is that I can define the word with the word, right? Belief is belief. Disbelief is disbelief. Like, so they are the principalities of themselves. And this is micro macro balance, two sides of the coin. But if we're looking at beliefs and we're applying techniques, concepts, and principles, this is where we can make beliefs a very powerful tool for self-awareness and mental health. And it's just something we don't get into very often because it's taboo in the subject of taboo in the sense of it's so universally and individually you, you are your own beliefs. They define who you are and they're ever changing, or at least I think they should be because beliefs are a combination of your morals, your ethics, your, where you go to look for information Who you take in and who you let fly out the other ear. You know, if you've ever been in a conversation where like, I'm going to be polite and listen to this person, but this is some bullshit. This is where beliefs come into factor. And unfortunately, I've slowly found that not all beliefs of an individual are their own. Some were put there and it takes a lot of self-awareness to figure out which of those beliefs are the ones that you've manifested yourself and which are the ones that someone gave you or implanted into you. And to make another martial arts reference, there is an idea in martial arts that you can imply your reality to someone else. It's the, uh, it's what we call willpower. You know if you've ever read a, a, a story or those who play video games and that, that idea of willpower well what is that what is that willpower essentially is the application of your belief in reality what you believe to be real to the world around you most fighters spend some time believing they're gonna win that fight I can tell you this because I in almost every situation I've done when it comes to sparring have believed I was going to lose because that was my job. My job was to blues at the sparring match. I was there to train individuals and to do that, I had to lose and try to do it gracefully so that they could learn how it works and to build the confidence of doing that application or, you know, doing that movement. And this happens a lot in the martial arts community the martial arts community uses the physical representation of something happening to trick the mind to remembering how it happens. It makes the mind believe you can do this movement. And we do that through emulation later. It's reinforced that that emulation was an emulation. We don't really do that though in our normal educational systems. And this is where I find belief ends up being an amalgamation of both your beliefs and someone else's. And it's a really good self-awareness point to go and look at, do you really believe these things? What is it you believe? How do your beliefs structure how you go about life? How do you come up with new beliefs? How do you find new beliefs? What other beliefs are out there? these are big topics and they take a lot of time to work through and most all great things kind of do. So in the idea of beliefs, when it comes to self-awareness, I highly recommend looking at what you believe, how you came to believe it and what other beliefs might be out there that might challenge you because dogmaticism or dogma by definition is the idea of blind belief or blind faith without looking into what one, it's just, it's just taking it at face value and just believing it. So it's not only possible to be dogmatic about religions, which is a tough, touchy subject to begin with. It's dogmatic. There is a way to be dogmatic about just about anything, just scrolling through the newsreels for the day and just believing the first line that you read That's dogmatism and it's what the media wants you to do. They want you to be dogmatic, sir. They want you to click on the, you know, ad or sorry, not an ad. They want you to click on the quote unquote news story, but they've done this through clickbait or some, some sort of idea that makes this appealing to you. And that's them imposing their reality. It's them imposing their belief that this is important for you, that you should read this, that you should know these things. But they believe you should know it in the terms and context of which they've presented it. And this is the connotation to perception argument, which I'll get into in a second. But the idea here is it's dogmatic to just look at the headlines because that's not the reality of the story. And even the story itself could not be real. It could be untrue. So why do we believe it? Uh huh. Wait, Phil, you never ask why exactly. Let's rephrase that. How is this story relevant to me? And how did they come to the conclusion in which they came to? And how does it affect my perspective or, perspep- or perception of the reality around us? Those are better questions to ask. Not why does it matter to me? Why does it matter? Well, it's interesting. How does it make me feel? How does it change my perception? How does it make me look at something differently? How did they come to this conclusion? Those are more uh, important questions to ask to see if we want to believe these news stories. And I think it's a really important thing nowadays to just take everything with a grain of salt. As I say about myself personally, like take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm just a fucking idiot. But it's really a good practice. And we get this in the paranoias. Uh, Those who are paranoid We take everything with a grain of salt. Everything is like, "Mm, is that real? Is that true? Where'd they get that information from? What's the data really say? It's becoming increasingly more important to do that because someone may not have your best interest in mind. And that's where beliefs really come down to this self-awareness point of like beliefs are so ingrained in self-awareness. They just are that you really need to go and you need to look at your beliefs, how you came about, getting those beliefs how they affect the way you look at things and this gets into connotation and perception the connotation in which i use can differ from verbal speech to written and the connotation always comes from the presenter i am presenting you information here and presenting you my ideas my beliefs or maybe an amalgamation thereof my disbelief and my belief and the connotation I give you, the way I, I want it to be taken or how I want it to be represented is mine and it's my presentation. I can't necessarily make you see my connotation and take it that way. Your perception is the filter. And that's why you have connotation and perception. And they are two sides to a coin. How I tell you something and how you take it, neither one of us has control over that. So we have to apply our beliefs to it to make it transcribable to each other. I believe I can use sarcasm in some cases. Maybe I'm not that good at it, but I believe I understand what sarcasm is. And I believe in some cases the individuals I'm speaking to understand what sarcasm is so that I can define and use sarcasm through whatever speech method or modality I choose and that they will perceive that so I can try. And then on the other side of that, there's the possibility because I can't speak to it because I'm not you. I'm not the person I'm speaking to that the person I'm speaking to also from their perspective and their perception understand that maybe this person that's talking to me right now is capable of sarcasm. And I know what sarcasm is and I've, i I can understand sarcasm and they'll get what I tell them or, you know, they understand that, Oh, I can understand this and I understand that. Oh yeah, they can understand this. That's a big transaction. That's a huge transaction, but it's also part of beliefs That we believe there are these social norms. There's the social norms of etiquette and, you know, pleases and thank yous and sarcasm and different ways to present things. Well, that's connotation and perception. And there is some sort of micro idea there that those are uniquely part of you. But there's also the macro that society as a whole has agreed upon perceptions and agreed upon ways to connotate, though, to pander towards, or to give uh, rise to the ability to be perceived in those ways. This is where mental health really attaches itself to the idea of beliefs. And it's a very important, I'm going to call it a concept because I don't think I've truly made it into a pr- uh, principle at this point, but maybe somebody else can take it that le- to that level conceptually the idea of belief is a driving factor in someone's mental health. And as I've stated and will state always, it is impossible for me to understand your depression. It is uniquely who you are. It's like your fingerprint. And at the same case, it's uniquely my own fingerprint. And the way I see the world is through my depression. It's always been that way for me. It took me a long time to realize it, and beliefs were part of that. But because your depression is uniquely who you are, I can't fucking understand it, and I'm never going to try. I'm never going to make the comment, oh, I understand. I know what you're going through. I don't. I don't. And here is why I make that statement. This is very important to me. The way I came about understanding this idea that depression is so uniquely who someone is is because it is so deeply rooted in your beliefs. I, as a person, and I'm speaking to me, knowing that I have to do this in order for you to even have the ability to understand, is, this is my belief, okay? I'm making that clause. In order to even have the fucking capability to understand me and my depression, I have to verbally give it to you or present it to you in some fashion in which you can perceive it. That's connotation to perception. So here it goes. I believe I'm a piece of shit. I believe I, I believe I'm useless and have been for some time. I've always been, I don't believe I have any great will or any great gift or like, I, I'm, I don't see the necessity for me to exist as a human. My depression is predicated on that idea at the very, very base minimum. that it's how I see the world. It's why people call me humble. I'm not humble. I just don't believe I deserve your praise. That's not Humble. That's me being an asshole. Me being like, no, I don't deserve for you to give me any praise whatsoever because I think I'm a piece of shit. I'm just a shitty person. And I really don't deserve to exist. Like, It's changed and modified itself. And I will over time get into my true beliefs on things. But that's where I was from the ages of like, I don't know, 12 to 18, maybe I'm bad at quoting times and and referencing periods of my life because it's all been very complicated, but there was definitely a point of my life where like, that was it. That was the upper layer of thinking. That was a principal idea of my existence was that I shouldn't exist. I had no reason to exist. It's different now. I can tell you that, but I'm making this comment to give you the idea of why beliefs are so powerful and beliefs are so important, not only just to self-awareness, but to mental health as a whole. And it's something we don't talk about because it's fucking taboo to talk about somebody's religion or their beliefs or what their fucking family shoved in their head when they were a kid that turned them into whoever they are. Nature virtues, nurture, that's a massive argument. That all comes down to beliefs and what you believe. Do you believe nature is important? Do you believe nurturing or a combination of both? The idea is, though, there is these, there are these beliefs. And I, I built this belief to the level that I tried to commit suicide. I failed miserably, but I tried. And that was the second part that I realized that there is some sort of Totality to beliefs and how they intertwine with mental health when I failed my first suicide attempt, it was out of pure fear. I bitched out, I cut one wrist and bitched out, and I didn't even cut deep enough. I was going to like etch in and go deeper and deeper and deeper because I wanted to like I was had this grand illusion of oh, you know, I should feel the pain and you know. Well, the reality was I was just looking to feel pain. I wanted to hurt myself because that's what I did. I'm a self-harmer. Most of my martial arts career was self-harm based. That's why I lost all those matches I told you, all those sparring situations. I believed I was going to lose because I wanted to lose. And it was a great way to do it. It was a coping mechanism for me to use self-harm in a productive manner. And this is another piece of depression that I will state Depression can be used, a powerful fucking tool to be used, not to be feared and to cower from, but it has to do with belief. Some part of me, be it subconsciously or consciously, I don't even know what it was, in my first attempt at suicide, believed things could change. So I stopped. I didn't continue the effort and I didn't kill myself because some part of me somewhere believed maybe things could change maybe my shitty home life could change maybe i could get out of that situation maybe i could move on maybe the nightmares would go away maybe the sexual abuse that i was assaulted with and i assaulted with both physically and then also mentally on a regular basis of having dreams about it and fucked up weird nightmares maybe that will go away. Maybe I could, you know, find some way to get that to go away. There was a belief in that. And I think there is an intrinsic idea there that the power of belief and you want to get into the woo woo and all that stuff. And there's a whole bunch of people pandering out there about like, Oh, you know, believe in it and it'll become true. Well, okay. We can talk about that another time, but there's some reality behind the power of belief. And that's why beliefs are so important. And it really takes time to boil them down, to really look at them. And you can use that techniques, concepts and principles to look at your beliefs. If a belief for you is a technique, you might want to look at it a little harder. If it's a principle way of your life, well, you know, you should look at that hard too, but like that's way more powerful. So there are techniques and concepts and principles to belief. And unfortunately I can't tell you what those are because, well, in some ways they're, they're individually who you are. It's part of your mental health. I can tell you, you can speak from my own perspective and maybe it'll garner some idea in you because I had that, that deep intrinsic belief that I was just a piece of shit and shouldn't exist. And that hasn't gone away, but it's definitely more of a technique now than it is a a principle idea in my belief structure, specifically in my depression, is a good representation of beliefs that can change and why they are so important to the idea of mental health. It's because you can change what you believe. You can wholeheartedly be a whole new person tomorrow, but unless you believe that you're a different person, it doesn't fucking matter. No one's going to tell you that. Everyone's always going to pander to you and say, Hey, Oh yeah, just believe it'll get better. It'll get better. It's going to be great. You're going to going to go to the gym and you're going to, you know, you're going to work out and you're going to get healthy and you're going to, you know, you're going to become a different person and you're going to be happier with yourself. It's your depression. They don't fucking know if that's going to work. Is it a great idea? Absolutely. We have scientific evidence that working out can fight off depression and specifically chemical imbalances and all these other things and helps with dopamine and serotonin and all these other great chemicals that go into the whole actual chemical balances that make up our mind. But if you still wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and believe you're a piece of fucking shit, to do anything? In my eyes, no. That's my own belief. Another thing I believe is instead of allowing that to define the belief structure, I think we can use it differently. You can use beliefs as stepping off points or powerful walls to stand against, or even if you're on rock bottom, powerful ground to stand on because rock bottom is the most solid ground you can stand on. And our beliefs can define where we go from those points. I use the belief of being a fat piece of shit to motivate me to lose weight in the most horrendous way ever according to others, but according to me, it was a very powerful belief that I could look at myself in the mirror and be like, dude, you're a fat piece of shit and I'm fucking tired of it. And I believed I would change that because I believed I was tired of it. Techniques, concepts, principles. It's a technique to look in the mirror and do affirmations and say different things. It's a concept to change the way those beliefs and those affirmations may be working. I don't know what the principle was. Unfortunately, I haven't figured that part out. Maybe the principle was carrying it out in the end. is to carry a belief out. Maybe that's a principle idea of belief. I don't know. To, to take it to fruition. But the technique was standing in the mirror and telling myself a piece of shit, a fat piece of shit, and being tired of it. The, the conceptual idea here was I was... I believed that I was tired of looking at that. I was tired of it. And the answer was not to just slip my wrists and fall into a bath. That wasn't the answer. The answer was go to the gym. Well, I fucking hate gyms, so I didn't do that. I went and I did martial arts, and I, I got healthy. I healed a broken femur. I learned to walk again correctly. I learned to sprint, learned to run, and learned to do martial arts forms. I went and trained seven days a week. I went from 315 pounds of my peak in high school down to 215 pounds of my peak in martial arts. I'm now 270 pounds and still a little fat. And I'm okay with that. I don't look in the mirror and go, you fat piece of shit, I'm tired of this. I look in the mirror and go, hey, man, you're kind of a fat piece of shit sometimes. You should probably uh, stop with the carbs so much this week. It just changes. And this is why beliefs should change. And if those beliefs came from a situation that wasn't your calling, you should fucking change them. You should look at your beliefs and not ask why you believe it. Ask how did it get there? How did that belief get so implanted in your head that it changes the way you look at things? Because that's what depression really is. Depression is your unique way of looking at the world. And it's a powerful tool. Like I said, you can fucking use it and you should use it but what do you really believe? How did those beliefs get there? Do you really believe you deserve to die? Do you? Do you absolutely believe that? Think about it. Is there not some small part of you that's maybe getting like, should I, should I at least see if things can change? And look, I'm not telling you what to believe. Like I said before, take everything I say with a grain of salt. It could all just be bullshit. But, like, at least have the conversation with yourself. At least look at what you actually believe in and challenge the shit out of it. You should challenge your beliefs on a daily basis. I do. I got it constantly. And I'm not saying do it because I do. I'm just saying that I've done it and I can anecdotally tell you that it works. And I think I can find some other people who say the same thing. And maybe if you decide you want to practice that for a week and see how it goes, you could speak intelligently on it as well. Maybe you could tell me, Phil, you're full of shit. And I would accept that because you said I would take good face value if you tried it for a week and it did, it's just bullshit. And I have a strong suspicion that's not how that's going to work out, though. And this is why I think it's important to have a, a deep conversation about beliefs, not just get into someone's religious beliefs, because that's important, too. But what do you actually believe? Because if I look at my beliefs, religion has nothing to do with them. In fact, some of the things I used to believe came from a dogmatic idea of religion that I was not intelligent enough to question, and thus, I had to do away with because it wasn't real. It wasn't actually my beliefs. I didn't truly believe these things. But they were implanted there, and I had to deal with that in the end. And I think that's pretty common for most people and that's okay. I'm not saying that parents shouldn't give their children a belief structure. What I'm saying is you should challenge anything you believe in. You should give it a little bit of a pushback, a little bit of a test. That's the self-awareness part of beliefs to cultivate self-awareness is to push a little bit on your beliefs. That's what I've found and all the conversations I've had, and all the things I've thought about, and all the philosophical readings, the reason the scientific method exists is to prove belief in something. That the test was accurate enough that it portrays a true statement. Or falsifies the statement that was made hypothesis and science and scientific experimentation. There's an entire fucking industry based on how do we boil down? How do we define something we can believe in? It's called the scientific method. And that's physical experimentation and sometimes mental stuff. You know, they get into a like. Psych- psychiatry and, and those types of things. But there's also ways to do it just in a personal everyday world. And this is first principles thinking. This is creative thinking in some ways and also logical thinking. It's critical thinking. It's the Socratic method. It's Greek retroduction. Pushing back on those beliefs that you have is a good test. Do I really believe this? Do I? Not just I read it and I believe it or I say it and I believe it. Do I really believe it? Do I really believe what they just told me? There's nothing wrong with doing that. I don't know why we've come to this conclusion somehow in some Societal methods that just because someone has a position of authority, they're right. They're not. No one is above reproach. No one. This is how tyranny came into existence. This is how wars and attrition and unfathomable horrors have been committed. Because no one was willing to be like, maybe they're wrong. As above, so below. As above, so below. If we looked at the horrors of history and the grand scale in which they typically or occasionally are, Does it not beg the question, should I not look at my own beliefs and question them? Because if people didn't question dictatorship, tyranny, and every other restriction of freedom and humanity as a system, which is developed by someone else's beliefs, then we wouldn't be here not at least in the context in which we are, and I'm not saying that's better. Maybe it's not. Maybe we would have been better off. But the reality is there had to be questioning of the beliefs to stop the atrocities, to stop the horrors that have been committed. And there needs to continue to be a pushback on these ideas just to check, just to make sure That it's not all bullshit. That it's not in some way wrong. It's very important that you look at your beliefs. And just make sure they're not bullshit. Because when you do that, specifically in a mental health situation, you may find Oh, you were wrong. Oh no. Oh, that that's the end of it. That's the end of the world. Well, no, not really, because the end of the world was, you know, a uh, trigger pull away, uh, a, a knife flick away, you know. This isn't someone someone's going to talk to you about. These aren't the conversations you're allowed to have. You should never tell someone who's mentally unstable that their beliefs are bullshit. Well, guess what? Maybe they are. Maybe you should look at them. Maybe you should look real fucking deep at your your beliefs and check. Maybe it's important to do that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I have no idea. Like I said, I might just be an idiot. And I know I'm talking in a connotation of the deep depths of where depression can take us. But let's 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 not do that. Let's let's take it to a lighter hearted connotation. Challenging your beliefs can also make you more of an open and aware person in your everyday life, specifically with those that are around you. I grew up in a fairly bigoted family, or not even that. Um, some of my family members were were more open than others, but there was definitely bigotry in, in multiple senses. One of those is uh, something I don't know if people consider as bigotry, but from the methodology and the standpoint I come from, it was, was that we grew up slightly poor and also in a dysfunctional broken home. You know, my parents were divorced and we didn't have a lot of money or at least it was presented to us that self. In reality, I grew up in one of the richest counties in the United States of America. So like there was money all over the place, but like we still ate SpaghettiOs. We like, go on the regular, <laughs> you know, cause maybe, you know, in some ways, maybe my mother was smart and she knew how to pinch a penny. That's a great skill to fucking have but it did come across to me that we grew up a little bit poor. And specifically the bigotry came from the fact that the rest of my family was actually fairly wealthy. My grandfather was a millionaire. Like I have no ties to my family, so I'm not going to see a fucking dime of that. And I really don't want it, but there was definitely wealth in the family that I grew up in. And there was definitely bigotry from my own small micro group towards the macro group. Because we didn't have that. We didn't have super nice houses and super fancy cars and big screen TVs. And, you know, we didn't have that growing up. We had second hand, we had hand-me-downs, we grew up on farm with, you know, dirty clothes. You know, you, if you wanted it, you worked and you bought it yourself, which was a great methodology to teach. I'm not saying these were bad things, but there was definitely some bigotry there. And I... I grew up with this idea of hating rich of rich were shitty people, right? you know, or just, you know, Oh, well that's, that's a bad representation of the macro. I know a lot of rich people are extremely nice. And by some standards, at least my standards back then, I'd look at my current self and be like, that's a piece of, he's a piece of shit. You know, cause he's rich and you know, he, you know, he looks down on me now. That's not true. It's just not true. So I had to push back on my belief structures because those belief structures were holding me back from attaining wealth. Just the fact that I grew up with this idea that I was poor and that was entrained into me as a belief made me unworthy in my own mind of gaining wealth in any way. So I had to to push back on my beliefs. I had to... mm, Do I really believe I'm poor? No. Not really. Okay. Well, if I don't really believe, like if I I don't believe that as a social economic idea, then I myself am a poor person as a status, I definitely think I'm a poor person because I could definitely use more money, but... But if I don't think about that as a status, if that's the connotation, change the perception. I see myself as more of a peasant class, as someone to serve. I've definitely held that belief for a very long time and probably still will. I think if I want to, you know, I talked about being humble before. I think if, if there's ever a way to cultivate being humble, it's the idea of service or to be of service. Uh, You can talk to AA about that. I'm not a member, but that's one of their things. And I don't think it's a bad idea. If the connotation created the perception, change the connotation. That's all with belief structures. So go and look at your beliefs and the way in which you work through information. In the first episode of the podcast, we talked about education. Well, education garners a lot of beliefs and a lot of beliefs are developed during the educational process and continue to develop that way through the rest of your life because you have to educate yourself. You have to decipher and figure out how and what you learned. And then you should take that a step farther. And here's my argument in total for my rant today is to take that process a, a step farther and look at the beliefs you've developed and the beliefs that you continue to you know, hold on to and push back on them a little bit and see who and what you are with and without them and see if that somehow changes the equation to make it better or worse or has no effect whatsoever and I'm just a dumbass and fuck Phil, we're not going to listen to what he says. I'm fine with that answer. As long as you go and do the task. And the task is to look at your beliefs and to generally cultivate a belief structure that you can call your own. Here are mine. Just so you can see how wildly different they may be. I believe reincarnation, as an anecdotal idea, is a pretty good representation of probably what happens. I've checked off enough of the boxes from all the different perspectives that reincarnation is probably true. And yes, we're about to get a little bit into the woo-woo. So I believe reincarnation is true. That's one of my beliefs. I believe we do reincarnate. I think it's a possibility, strong possibility. Greek, re- Greek retroduction tells me that it's probably the possibility. So I believe that. I do not believe that we reincarnate to choose our lives to better ourselves, so that we can go evolve into stars or planets or some other idea along those way, or, or you know, to do that. I believe true enlightenment is death. I believe if you are seeking enlightenment, we misrepresent this quite often. That enlightenment is death. What you're really seeking is nirvana or satori or whatever method and you know the idea in which they call it that we misrepresent the idea of karma and we believe karma to be something that happens instantaneously. Well, the actual true definition of karma is life long and not just this life, all lives and that you're bettering yourself by choosing the trials and tribulations you're going to go through and that that develops your karma. And, and by challenging yourself hardly in one life, you can develop good karma or change your karma overall. Well, that's one idea, but I also, you know, understand that that's misrepresentative because what we talk about a lot is dharma and there's a massive dif- different uh, differentiation between karma and dharma. Karma is over multiple lives and it's constantly changing. And you have karma. I have karma. Everything is karma. Jainism is a really good study into what karma actually is. And if you look into Jainism, you look into, Dharma, and Dharma is that instantaneous thing if you got cut off in traffic and then that person somehow gets a ticket later on in their day. That's Dharma. Dharma is far more instantaneous than karma is. And do I have some belief in that in some way or another? Sure, but do I believe that I'm picking out next life to better myself so to increase my karma or to become a star? No, I think in my own personal belief there's something very nefarious going on and I aim to figure it out. To get into the whole of it all and to make this podcast completely useless, as I like to put things up front, I don't believe in dragging it out over time or at least not too long. I do believe in suspense and pauses. They're important for theatrics. I believe that there's something nefarious going on and I do believe in a reincarnation. I believe if I look hard enough I can figure out how to stop doing it. And that took me from thinking that I was a piece of shit and believing every day that I should just fucking die to believing that if I put in enough time and perseverance and effort, or not even that, if I just tried, I might find a way to stop the reincarnation cycle so that I could stop going through this, so that I could stop the suffering that I'm dealing with. And that gave me one of the most powerful beliefs of them all. It's called hope. And although I don't really put too much into hope, I definitely understand that is one of the most powerful beliefs you can have is to hope something, to believe in hope, to actually literally believe that there is the possibility for change. That's the real definition of hope. And I think if you took that definition, most people would find they do have hope. That the real definition of hope is the belief that the possibility of change exists. And this is why it's important to look at our beliefs. It was important for me to look at my beliefs to realize that the possibility of change, the definition, my definition of hope existed and then to act accordingly because we have to manifest beliefs. And I know there's the secret and all of that, and I'll get into that at another time. But the reality of the situation is beliefs must be manifested. They can actually not not be manifested. That's a double negative. I understand, but it is impossible for beliefs not to be manifested because they define action. Your morals and ethics define how you act. Are you going to pick up the piece of trash on the ground next to the trash can and put it in the trash can as you walk by, or are you just going to let it sit there? Are you going to get out of bed today because you have responsibilities and you should go do them, or are you just going to sit there? Are you going to challenge your beliefs, or are you just going to let them run rampantly? morals and ethics belief, defines action or at least curves it one way or the other, gives it a little nudge one way or the other, gives it something to start from. And that's why they're important. And we should look at them and we should gain insight from them. And we should not just, if you want to get into what's even farther beyond this point, it's, Taking that perspective and then realizing that your beliefs don't mean shit other than to define who you are. So, why are you so interested in someone else's beliefs? Why? Why is a disagreement world ending? At the beginning of this podcast, the opening remarks in the intro are come get triggered. The reason people get triggered is because they are so fucking worried about what other people believe about them or what other people believe in general. I don't give a shit what you believe. I really don't because I've looked at my beliefs. I have looked at the systems that define the way I look at things. And one of my beliefs is I believe in depression. I believe it is a very, very powerful tool that I use Every day. One of my biggest beliefs about my depression is it's where my creativity comes from. I almost guarantee when I look back on this podcast, the best episodes will be those of the days I was most depressed. That I was so filled with emotion that I had to let it be expressed. And this gets into intention and other things. And I'm going to get into all that at some point. But for now... I challenge your beliefs and you can tell me to fuck off which is good you should so instead let me rephrase that like I like to do challenge your beliefs you personally go challenge your beliefs just as a a practice don't change anything crazy don't go find a new religion to follow don't do any of that just push a little bit on what you do believe. Do you really like ketchup? Is that that like a powerful belief of yours? Like ketchup is the best condiment. I don't know. Have you tried other condiments? Some other, some other great condiments out there. You might want to try them. Things like that. Just little things to challenge the perspective. The connotation to perception. How are you perceiving things? That's like a principle of self-awareness, being aware of how you perceive. Hopefully that brings it a little bit more together of why beliefs are important, the connotation perception. One of the biggest things in self-awareness is how you're perceiving the world around you. And I think if we look deep enough, and we really get off our high horses and we really try to understand mental health, we realize that mental health drives that perception. And we gotta stop giving it a negative connotation. We gotta stop saying depression's bad. We we have to. Because just by doing that, you give the connotation that everything is bad. If if the connotation of depression is a negative, then the way you look at everything, which is your, your mental health, your perception is instantly negative because you suffer from depression. Oh, you're depressed. That's a negative. Don't do that. Then why do anything? Oh, that question of why, how do you expect them to do anything? How should I get up and do something if it's already fucking terrible? Just by the action, it's terrible. That's why the connotation of mental health needs to change. The connotation of depression cannot be a negative. It can't. It's just not allowed to be. Because if it is, there's no fucking point. And I was right. You see how this is a problem in my belief structure? And I'm not saying everyone should be like me because I'm hoping in some ways I'm wrong. But if depression continues to garner a negative connotation, I guarantee you, guaranteed, we have no hope of solving the understanding or the lack thereof of mental health. You just can't have the conversation. You can't start from a negative and expect to have a positive outcome. That's fucking insane. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different answer or expecting a different outcome. Stop calling depression negative or using negative connotation. It's not. It's just not. And you have the power to change the way you believe things or what you actually believe. You have that power. You get to choose. So use it. Just like you can use your depression. You can use it to be more self-aware. And by being more self-aware, you may have that aha moment of, am I just looking at this negatively today? Because the world's been telling me to do that forever now. Someone has imposed the belief structure on me that my depression is a terrible, horrible thing and I'm a broken human being because of it. Fuck them. That's my answer. That's my belief. And that's the conversation. The conversation is on self-awareness and mental health and changing the negative connotation of depression because by changing the connotation, we can change the perception. And if the perception changes... Then so does the connotation change. And that's powerful. As above, so below is one of the most powerful things I've learned in the mysteries. And it is the same idea of yin yang and the seeking of balance, and that there can never be a coin unless it has two sides. Singularity is polarity, duality is. Separization. You can be plural, you can be singular, you can be together, you can be separate. It doesn't fucking matter. It's all just words to make you think about things. And that's the idea of belief. Belief is the way we go about thinking about things. It's super important. So, again, I urge you and I ask you, Look at your beliefs. Stop looking at other people's beliefs. They don't matter right now. That all comes later. Once you master your own beliefs, then you can start using this to judge other people, but until you know what you truly believe and how those beliefs got there and how they stay there, then uh, it's tough to have that outside perspective. It's tough to have a solid perception, well, at least one you can trust. That's the engagement point until you have a control of your beliefs and your belief structures, and what it is that you actually believe. How can you truly perceive the world around you? How can you really trust your perception of it if you don't even believe what you believe in. This is the differentiation of dogma and true belief, which in the religious context becomes faith. There's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, I always like to put a big butt on things. Unless you truly believe it, you have no perception you cannot define your perception or have a true perception, a trustable perception without first understanding what you actually believe and then pushing on that regularly to make sure it hasn't changed. And if it has to then incorporate that change and use that because change is fine. Change is not an issue. Understanding of change to not be ignorant. That's more important. So how have your beliefs changed is another great question to get into the one that I would like to add here at the end, because some people have gone through and figured out their own belief structures. So now if you've done that, the second step to this would be to look at how have your beliefs changed? That's more of a conceptual idea to look at the, how has your, how have your beliefs changed? What are the trends? Which way are they moving? That's super important especially with the politically charged world we live in and all those other beliefs that are out there, societal, socioeconomical, personal, even the micro of just your friends group. What are the beliefs here? Do you agree with them? Are they your beliefs? I highly recommend surrounding yourself with people with different beliefs. Just if those beliefs are trending towards causing you harm, you might want to look at them a little bit. So that's how self-awareness ties into belief and how belief ties into mental health and how they all kind of come together and why it's important for us to look at the connotation and the principle and the perception and to look at belief structures more so than what does everyone else believe, but what do I believe? How did I come to this belief? And do I, Truly believe it? Those are the better questions to ask yourself and to use in your own personal journey and self awareness, and also in your control over your mental health. Because, like I said, and I will continue to keep saying, we must change the connotation on depression. It cannot be a negative connotation because if it is a negative connotation, the perception will always be negative until the perception changes. We can't have true connotation. We can't truly understand mental health. We can never perceive someone else's mental health. If we instantly come at it from the perception that it's a negative, have I, have I, Have I now finally made that full circle? You cannot perceive any positivity from the conversation of mental health if it continues to be that depression is a negative. Depression is simply your beliefs about yourself. So, what do you believe about yourself? How did you come to the conclusion to believe that are those beliefs true? Push on them, figure it out. And if you can't seek help to do so, because the fun thing about beliefs is that we get to discuss them with others and we get to use outside perspectives to push on our own perceptions. And without conversation and discourse, that can never happen. Be that conversation in your head with your multiple personalities or your friends at a bar. There is a necessity for the push on beliefs to figure out if those are what you truly believe and if they are correct and they are who you are, because that is what your depression is defined by. It's the amalgamation thereof, what you believe about yourself. But unless we go through the process of actually truly understanding those beliefs, we can't rely on them to make decisions. Do you truly have a grasp of what you actually believe and they are intrinsically who you are and how you feel about things, then you cannot use that as a decision point. And this is where conversation and discourse need to happen with yourself or with others. And if if you feel you're incapable of making that decision for yourself, absolutely go seek out someone to have the conversation with. This is where I'm supposed to tell you I'm not a doctor. I cannot diagnose or prescribe. And that is absolutely true. And as I've said before, I'm just an idiot on the internet and you should take everything I say with a grain of salt. So when I say this, Understand I mean it. If you don't feel you're capable of having the conversation with yourself to define the beliefs that of yourself and who you are, you should have a conversation with someone you trust and believe in that trust. And if you can't find someone like that, find a professional because their profession is based on trust. They had to get educated. They had to get certified, licensed. Not all predicates on, on trust. They have defined find themselves as someone you can trust. And then, don't trust them. I know that sounds weird, but just don't trust them. Go, seek them out, find them, speak to them, and then decide if you trust them to get into that conversation. And if you don't, try another one, and try another one, and try another one. Try having the conversation with yourself. Because the reality of the situation is beliefs can be changed. That's the idea of hope and everyone truly deep down needs hope and you always get what you need. You don't get what you want. We all need hope. We all need the understanding that change is possible. That is my definition of hope. We all have that deep down. If you look at it, I think you'll find Change is possible. It may not be easy. It may be excruciatingly hard. It's still possible, which means there's hope. The fact that a second ticks by is change. Time is the great universal changer. So if there is time, if the clock is still ticking. If you are still able to move, blink, think. time is progressing there is hope there is the possibility of change so again I leave you with the conversation of discourse what are your beliefs how did you come about those beliefs do you still believe in those things how have your beliefs changed what do you believe about yourself how does that make you look at the world how does it make you look at yourself How does it make you interact with the world around you? How could it be different? How would you like it to be? How would you like it not to be? Ask questions, have conversations and look at your beliefs because I believe it's important. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. And uh, as always, just remember to breathe. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.